Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods. Today we have Andrew Swaim. Andrew is a um, kind of just has some history in swim bait fishing and in calico fishing, even uh, saltwater fishing. He's done it all. Um, cool guy, and I like to get his perspective because he actually was a swim bait fisherman on the West Coast back in the early you know, mid two thousand, like ten. Um, and then moved back east, so he kind of gives us a perspective on the differences in fishing, uh, you know, between west coast and east coast, which is really cool. And uh, he gives you perspective on calico because he got to actually fish. He fished a lot of calico, so he knows like uh, the comparisons we can make in that. So thank you again, Andrew, for coming on. I really appreciate that. Um, what else do we got going on this Monday? We have eighty six baits. And Chris with Matt Hom, Chris Feely, and Carlo. And uh, we talk about Black Anchor. And uh, we talk about 86 Baits. Uh, we talk about all kinds of bullshit. And then we talk about my new adventure, Viking Head Lures. Uh, I'm sorry, Viking Head Bait. Viking Head Baits. Yeah. Uh, made a lead head. So we've been working on it. Chris Feely helped design it. And Matt Hom. Uh, they, they helped me out a lot with it. So a ton of other people. Uh, and I talk about it on, on that Monday's episode. So I'm hoping to drop something in the next, uh, about month and a half, probably mid, mid September. And, uh, it's going to be available at performance tackle and to start off with and online. So we'll probably do an event at performance. Um, we got some cool color names. We got, uh, the colorways, here's 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 some of them just to let you guys know, and they're pretty hilarious. I liked how I named them. Uh, it's going to be the Uncle Bing Bong's one color, which is Caesar's color, the Bobby BDE, which is Bobby Martinez, the Bass Jesus, which is um, you know uh, Kelly Pupo. Then I have the Joe D Head, which is Joe from Performance's color. Then I have the the PT Special, which is the actual Performance Tackle Special. And then my last one is Jimmy Decker and Eric Lannisfine, which is Cocktail Hour. So we'll have six colors to start. Weedless and um, we'll have uh, regular non-weedless. And it will be from a quarter ounce to three ounce. So uh, we'll have all those sizes for you to choose from. 
And we'll be doing a lot of other things. I mean, just the first drop will be that. And then uh, we also have actual signature Bobby head called the Tomahawk head. But you guys will hear all about this uh, on Monday's episode. So I thought you guys give you a little teaser today. If you want to check out uh, the page, it's Viking Head Bait, uh, Bait Co. I'm sorry, Viking Head Bait Co. If you go look on that on Instagram, I'll give it a follow. Check it out. You can see the design. Goonie Wolf did it. Another big help. Pretty much everyone. Everyone from the podcast has helped me start this, and I really appreciate it. And it's a cool thing that I've been working on for probably about three or four months. So, uh, yeah, thank you. And and uh, you you hear the story on the on Monday's episode, which is great with Matt. Um, check out this month's Patreon. This one's a big one. Uh, Mike Gilbert donated ten packs of uh, Battle Shads. He uh, huge supporter of the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Um, Please check that out. You could sign up for the, the now remember the Nick heads get, I think they're going to get three packs. So I'm going to win three packs. And then the um, Bobby BDE, there'll be multiple winners. That's how it kind of works right now because it's been so busy. I want to put up the videos, but I just don't have the time. So I figured if I can give you guys more gear, more chances at gear with the 25 one and it helps support the podcast. Great. And I appreciate everybody's support. Um, what else? YouTube, I'm still lagging on it. It's because of this leadhead thing's been killing me. I've been so busy. And um, that's about it right now. Uh, Five-star review be greatly appreciated. And, uh, yeah, Monday will be 86. We did not get Kayla after all. She had to cancel. She had something, uh, some family stuff going on. So maybe we could redo that at another time. And um, we got this August will be the 20th. Is going to be the live episode with Mike and Butch together uh, talking about different subjects and, uh, you know, the comparisons between what they both think on that. Um, We'll also have a uh, spotty roundtable, number two. Haven't done one of those in a long time, and I figured, why not do one? People seem to really like them. And I'm going to try to get some different guys, maybe some old school guys as well, maybe like, uh, you know, the Bobbies and and, uh, the Mike Stenbridges, and then get some younger guys in so we can get some different opinions. So it'll be really cool. It's something I want to try new this year with a, with co-hosts as well. Like I said earlier, I'm going to try to fit that in. So I hope you guys like this episode. Please give us a five-star review. Check out Viking Head Bait Co. Check out Phoenix Rods. And uh, on the Viking Head page, it's just started. So we have one picture up from my buddy Jonathan that's caught a fish on one of them. And the, that was a prototype one. It's not the finished one. So right now, if you do see anything, it'll be prototype ones till I get the the final deal going but uh thank you all for the support and i uh, hope you like this episode thanks guys all right welcome to cast and crank we have a, a transplant that's done it both actually he's done all three how about that he's done the calico he's done the uh west coast big bait stuff and now he's on the east coast andrew how do you say our uh, last name swam Swame. Okay. And he kind of came up with uh, a lot of the swim bait makers from the beginning. So kind of break down your story where you grew up, who you kind of hung out with when you were younger. So uh, I grew up in Irvine. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with Woodbridge Lake. You might be even familiar with it. Um, My mom. Yeah. A lot of people are, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's right off the freeway. It's right there. It's easy pickings. Um, So I grew up in Irvine, fishing Woodbridge a lot. Um, the actual like fishing came from my grandpa, uh, my mom's dad. 
typical SoCal thing. You know, he likes saltwater fishing and he'd run us up to mammoth and stuff during trout season. Um, so that was definitely where it started, but definitely cemented itself um, at Woodbridge. And, um, you know, waking up early on Saturday morning and watching Bassmaster and wanting to go to the lake and catch fish. And I was 10, 11 years old. So that's a um, great lake to grow up on, though. That's a, I mean, if you could fish that lake and not get kicked off, it's pretty solid. <laughs> well, and I mean, the lake that I was fishing when I first started back in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was a different lake. Like, there was tons of grass, tons of bait fish. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was. And I actually learned a lot. Um, you know, I would watch Bassmaster and get my Bassmaster magazine and have my mom write checks to order baits out, <laughs> out of the magazines because, you know, couldn't really do on the internet back then. Yeah. Um, and uh, through fishing there, I met Whitney, who you're, you know, pretty well at this point, Whit from Kurtech. Uh, me and him have been fishing together since 2001, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, me and him have a lot of history together riding skateboards around all well i see all lakes in irvine there's really not that many lakes in irvine it's pretty much just wood bridge so, but so then, riding, you, then you know jimmy getty then oh yeah i know jimmy really well oh that fucking asshole that guy <laughs> fucking old man everybody hates that guy because he's old <laughs> he's, he's he's hilarious man i when when i first uh met jimmy i remember i used to go to irvine when it was open like just trout fishing and yeah. kind of got into bass in 2009 I started bass fishing. So Good. I remember seeing him there. I'm like, I fucking remember you, dude. You know, like, shit. <laughs> He's a great guy. But, I mean, you and Wit, I mean, Wit's been around for a long time, too, with the whole swim bait thing. Um, so did you guys kind of get into swim bait fishing together? Yeah, kind of. So, like, it started out, Wit fished another private lake in the area that we sneak into. Um, and he actually ran into Mickey Ellis from 316. And he actually, yeah, pretty sure... Mickey giving him that bait was kind of game over for us at that point. We both wanted swim baits and wanted to throw swim baits. And again, no internet limited uh, stuff. So it was go to Turner's and buy a 316 soft bait or I think the Longfin had some random baits, maybe a couple yeah, of random soft so baits. So you were able to get some 316s locally, like at that time in shops? Yeah, only soft baits though, okay. from what I remember. There might have been some shops, but Turner's carried like the Rising Sun and the Sidewinder and the Mission Fish and stuff like that. So uh, when they gave, when he gave you that, was that kind of like a complete game changer? Did he give you like any information on like, hey, you got to throw it like this? Hey, or he just kind of tossed you when it said go? Oh no, he gave it to Wit. I wasn't okay. even with Whitney that day. Um, Whitney, I met up with him again after that, and it was like, but yeah, it was a game changer. I don't think he told him anything though. It was just like, hey, go fish this thing and send me pictures if you catch them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did for a while, and um, yeah, I mean, it was just the difference we'd see, we'd see in those fish, you know, we're used to like throwing a jig or a worm or a fluke and, you know, throwing a swim bait down a bank when you're a kid and having a five, six pound fish come and smash it right in front of you. It's pretty awesome. And that wasn't that uncommon of an occurrence for us back then. So what, a, when you first got that bait, um, did you fish just that bait for a while or did you kind of like start exploring right off the bat? Oh, no, that was it for a long time, dude. I had like two swim baits for the longest time. I only had like one or two at a time. <laughs> what was no. so uh, did you guys use the same setups like you're using for a jig at the time yeah yeah i mean which worked pretty well on on plastics like that like yeah when man I, yeah you don't need a swim bait rod for that so you know so like you have your backpack and you have like a bag of robo worms a couple jigs <laughs> and like one swim bait you know 
I think with it, even even with like the flipping sticks, when I first started calico fishing, I didn't have like calico certain rods. I had flipping yeah. sticks, and I'm like, I feel like they worked pretty good, you know. Like I'd shoot a lot of flipping sticks. Yeah. So uh, after fishing that bait, like what? How did the progression start from then? Um, you know, the internet making all that stuff more readily available. Um, the bigger thing though, I think was going off to college. I went to, I went to California Maritime Academy. Uh, it's in the San Francisco Bay area. It's about 30 minutes north of Oakland. And I don't know, something just clicked there. It's probably cause I wasn't around saltwater. That was a whole other thing for me. We can talk about cause that kind of yeah, goes yeah. progress with me growing up and stuff. Um, but like not being near the ocean, which is ironic because I was going to a maritime academy. I was literally going to a school to drive ships. <laughs> and uh, I just fell in so hard for bass fishing. And then it was just, you know, it was a little easier. That was starting in 2008. Um, really, when you can actually go and tackle warehouse and buy swim baits and stuff like that. Or if you really wanted a bait, you just hit up the maker and they'd be like, yeah, I'll get it to you. You know, it was not what is going on today. So. <laughs> Did you uh did you have find a body of water up there that you like to fish? Man, I found so many. Growing up in Southern California it was like all park lakes. Um, yeah, I made a couple trips to like Paris and Castaic or something as a kid. Going up north, there's so much more water and the fishing's just as good or better. I mean, obviously you fish the Delta with Caesar, who yeah. was the he recommended me come on here. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um like seeing that is just it's mind-blowing going being from southern california so um there's a lot of really good lakes i caught my personal best living up there out of a small lake that i probably have my throat split if i mentioned but um <laughs> it i caught my personal best my buddy caught his personal best i caught mine like a year later the summer after i caught mine some kid caught a 15 and then that following spring a dude caught an 18 so um what did you catch with your pb it was a 12-4 it was on a 250 really so was this when the 250 uh kind of just came out or was it uh, um a little bit after 2013 so like kind of after like we all knew about it at that point um and i think the the demand and the hype on the market kind of died because there were some ridiculous ones one of my buddies sold one of my buddies had a really crappy beat up one that was like some awful color that he sharpied and he put it on ebay and it went for 420 dollars, and it was like straight kindergarten sharpie status (laughs) I was like, oh, man. He, it's not like he was trying to, like, scam somebody. He's like, I thought I was going to sell for. So. Yeah. Isn't it crazy now to look at a 250 back then and now, and you're like, dude, you can buy it for, like, a 100 and something bucks at a tackle shop. I saw one on Swimbait Universe for 75 bucks that looked brand new. I'm like, are you kidding? Right. Like, it's like, I dude, still couldn't believe that. I remember when I first started the podcast, and it was, like, hard to get 250s at that time still. This is, like, four years ago. Yeah, and I'm like, now it's like you can readily available get one like at any tackle shop, pretty much. Yeah, which is cool because I feel like that's the new S waiver almost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think it stands to reason that might be the best hard swim bait ever made. If you just look at the sheer number of personal best caught on, it's pretty hard to argue that number. I know a lot of guys that got their biggest fish on that bait, even stripers as well too. I mean, oh yeah, both, yeah. So when you were up there, uh. What did you just start getting into glides when you're trying to hunt for a big fish up there? Or who kind of like, and who did you meet up there that kind of helped you and go in the right direction? Um, so up there, I only got to fish a few times, but C was definitely a big part of it. Learning the Delta, um, got another buddy named Ollie who took me out a lot and 
really taught me to be patient more than anything. He's a very Zen person. Um, <laughs> but I did a lot of it alone. I did it on foot. There was a kid that I used to fish with named Chris. Um, like one of the few times me and him weren't fishing together, he caught like an 11 off the bank on a big hammer, like oh, something fuck. super random. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like all those lakes kind of peaked around 20 years ago, but every single one of them in like the East, it's the East Bay Municipal Park District. Every one of them has a, a lake record over like 16 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's no shortage of maybe not so much now. I'm sure there's still some big fish there, but like one of my favorite trips was I got a Rego Gladiator when they, around the time they first came out, which is 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to this one lake and rented a boat. This is again, 2012 fish haven't seen a glide bait like they have now. And it was like every point I'd pull up on, he'd fire a glide out and there's like 30 bass behind it. You know, that must've been like big. Disneyland, right? For back then for swim bait fishing, it was like, uh, you couldn't compare it to now where people grind day in no. day out for like one eight pounder, you know, if they're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. when you were, when you were living up there, when did you, when did you finish up there and move back down here? So I graduated in 2012. Um, my now wife and I lived there for two more years. Um, and that really, that was, that was like when I caught my personal best large mouth, I caught my personal best striper up there, which was actually, um, an estuary fish, which is kind of weird, but that was a pretty fun night. Um, were you fishing the San Francisco Harbor at all? Um, I only did it a few times, which is also kind of ironic because I was actually working on tugboats up there at the time. So, like, I don't know. It was mostly to me. It just wasn't It wasn't appealing at the time. Looking back, it would have been fun to go on some of those halibut or striper trips. That's what um, I was always figure. like, the, the way you fish bodies down here would be the way you fish small stripers down there, you know? Kind pretty of much. I mean, yeah. more active. We used to catch them out in front of my school at night and uh, <laughs> go down there, like, in the fall they had these big lights on the, um, on the boathouse and you watch smelt flick around in them and you just fire a rattle trap into it. It's like every cast. Damn, that must've been fun. <laughs> it was a good way to get away from the reality of going to that school. <laughs> <laughs> do you don't even do that now, right? No, I'm a desk jockey now. Um, <laughs> which a lot of people don't believe could happen with somebody like me. And honestly, I wouldn't have believed I could have done it myself, but here I yeah. am. As a data so, guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after you finished school, you moved back down to SoCal again? Yeah, so we lived there for the two years and moved back down to SoCal, and that was in 2014. Um, my wife got a job that relocated her down there. I was working on tugboats. It didn't matter where I lived. Um, and that was a perfect time to come back because 2014 was when this quasi-El Nino thing kicked in. <laughs> oh, and, so you got um, to see the bluefin come, huh? <laughs> I mean, I got to see everything. I got to see the local yellowfin, too, and that was probably almost cooler for me so we take a step back and why it's cool to me (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. so when i was 11 my mom decided to hire a babysitter by getting me an annual pass at davy's locker so i basically lived at davy's locker for like the next seven years um i had an annual pass for a few years in the western pride but then it just became like just just walk on the boat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um and that turned into working on the boats a bit too that the the western pride the freelance so you know for me up until i was i left for college it was like oh summer's here let's go catch sand bass and barracuda and oh my god we caught a yellowtail holy crap praise yeah. jesus you know and um <laughs> like i remember the freelance going out and catching like five yellows and the boat sold out for like the next week that's you know? crazy yeah yep and now people are like, we got five. 
So, <laughs> we should have got back, way more than that. Why do we have limits? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I moved back, um, moved back to Long Beach at the time. I'm working two weeks on, two weeks off, and I'm fishing as much as I can. I have my native sun shirt. Me and Aaron Graham are good buddies. Oh, that guy, another, another fucking asshole. Yeah, another <laughs> giant asshole. That guy is so big. Did you fish with Chris Monroy as well or no? I didn't. I think he was. He was out of it. He's paintball guy maybe then, huh? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he was fishing, but I don't, think he's, I don't think he's fishing that much. But yeah, I mean, if he had been, I would have fished with him because he would have been on Aaron's boat. That's funny because your episode, I think, is going to either air Monday or Thursday of next week. And then Chris's episode airs. So you're a crossover because you do salt and fresh. I do both, man. Yeah, yeah. So, But it's cool to hear the salt and fresh crossovers because I always feel like, you know, uh, people get to hear because all I talk about, I'm a calico-like slut. Yeah. So like, I go off for those. Yeah. And I always say, you know, I, you hear it over and over. It's like it's hard for me to drive to DVL when I can. I live in Buena Park. Yeah. I could drive 20 minutes to Huntington Harbor and be out in my boat, like, quick. So Right, and I deal know, with, like, tags and yeah. other fishermen yeah like none of that shit when yeah. you came back down and you and you were living in long beach did you still have the bug for the largemouth um a little bit so i was fishing with block here and there when i could um shout out to ryan block you guys a true homie he's helping me with my nutrition stuff right now as well and i think i heard him heard you're gonna have him on the show soon so well kayla's coming on i think tuesday Okay, but he's he's yeah. supposed he was supposed to, and I think he had like something to do with the with the boat. Like he had to go, and he just couldn't make it. So it's like just finding that happy medium, like where he can fit it in. It's like yeah, and it's, he's been pretty. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I like him. He's yeah. hilarious. He makes me laugh. Super good dude. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I will say one thing throughout my fishing career is how fortunate I've been to fish with guys that make me look like an absolute amateur. So him. <laughs> um. So I became friends with John Curry around that time too. And we fished a bit. Um, but that was before John wanted to get back into green bass fishing. So it was always on his skiff, you know, drinking IPAs, eating pop tarts, making stupid jokes about the dumbest things ever. Another, another great guy I've been talking to a little bit. <laughs> super awesome guy. And probably the fishiest dude I know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Like, like there's a couple of guys where I go, you know, I have them on and they know everything. And I think John Curry is one of those guys that can, do either one and same thing with um matt purcell another yeah. guy that could do the salt and the fresh thing block there's a certain guys that could do both of it you know yeah and i'm not for me it's block or curry i i couldn't tell you who's better both have just an insane resume when it comes to fishing yeah yeah even like, and, and and same thing with john he's an amazing bait builder as well like he uh, can make anything you know the obscure stuff me and that guy send each other is hysterical. <laughs> I mean, you were talking about like him being dialed in. Like I remember, so that was, so 2014 ended with a bunch of really big yellows down off South Orange County, mm-hmm. um, specifically like Box Canyon area. And I go out with him. Of course, we fuck him up, um, cutting fish, and there's just red crab everywhere. Go to sleep, wake up the next morning. You know, and John's in trucks. The guy's up at like three in the morning, which yeah. is fun for me now because I can text him when I'm like, you know, waking up for work and he's already like, at. I'm like, hey, dude, um, I wake up and there's like four articles in my inbox from John about like habits of red crab during the full moon. <laughs> like, 
I'm like, and it, that's it, why it, I'll it, never be as good as you. That that's the the great guys I have on. That's why I told John, I'm like, hey, dude, I need to get you back on just for Green Bass this time, you know, because yeah. I had you on the salt thing, and then I had you on the 200th where everyone got fucking annihilated. <laughs> and I'm like, so I need you back on a regular episode again, you know, so yeah. we could, and he's like, let me, let me do a little bit more green bass and then I'll come back on. But even though like he made a really good rat too, everyone liked as well. Right. Oh yeah. And I have one of those. I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. You do. Were you went around when he was building like a lot of them? Um, I moved away. So he was always pouring stuff. Um, yeah. he poured me some soft baits for calicos back in the day. Um, but I, he got back into the hard bait stuff around the time I moved. I moved in 2017. So. Okay. So when, when you came back and you're fishing with John, did you start working on the green bass stuff as well back down here? Not really. Cause no, like going back to the saltwater thing, it was just so cool to see local fish like that. And, you know, in 2015, you have the yellows in the 150, yeah. like, or, you know, me and John take his skiff out. And we're looking for bluefin. We got, we had a double hookup like right away. And then John picks up like the hundred pound rig cuts off the jig. And he's like, Hey, you think we'll get hundred pounds? And I'm like, probably and John, like John ties on something stupid. He had like a 12 aught hook, pinned a mackerel in the nose, tossed it out, put the boat in gear. I swear to God, the mackerel hit the water, skipped and a bluefin came out from behind it, ate it. And John looked at me. It was just like, <laughs> like okay i guess they're eating 100 pounds so i like put my my rod away and like grabbed a 100 pound rod just like here we go <laughs> put it in low gear and wind it through the guide do you and here's another question for you since you fish with a lot of guys that do salt and fresh do you think that the best salt guys are usually the freshwater guys you know the guys that can go out and, and pick apart the fish are guys that are green bass guys i would highly agree with that um only because the two best anglers I know are, like I said, Block and Curry and mm-hmm. those dudes. I think there's a lot more attention to detail in the freshwater that you have to really, really dial into. Um, I mean, take, for example, Lake like Paris. Think of how many boats that lake sees on a week, God. how many baits they're seeing. Whether they're presented correctly or not doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to really fool that fish. And, I don't know, saltwater fish don't get the same pressure. It's easier not saying it's not less fun or anything, but I just, I, yeah. you know, not another, just a great example that I didn't mention earlier, Scotty Pestle. I, um, I've known that guy as long as Whitney. Um, same thing, man. I mean, when that dude is fishing saltwater bass, killer. Did you that fish was, the freshwater with him too as well? I fished almost exclusively freshwater with him. I've done a, I, I've done a handful of trips with him. Did you fish um, the uh, clubs with him? No, no, that was his old, so he, he used to fish the dude named Matt Cobbs this, and then he fished with a guy named now. Well, you know Mike. Well, um, like in the in the freshwater clubs, he fished. Oh no, so, no, yeah. He fished with Cobb Seth in the freshwater clubs as well. Back in the day, yeah. Because my uncle. Um, so when I, before I started the podcast, Cobb Seth was one of the first guests I ever had on him and C's. Uh-huh. And then cops have came on. I'm like, Hey, do you know my uncle? He's like, who? I'm like, Jim Trujillo. He goes, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I'm like, no, he's like, yeah, I know Jim, man. I've known him for years. And I'm like, yeah, it's my uncle. I, I bass fish with him. You know, like, and we talk about Irvine. I remember I'm like, Hey, I want to catch a bass. It's my uncle, he takes me to Irvine. He had a little blue champion, like a 19 foot champion. And we went there and I remember him just drop shot. I turned into a drop shot oh. whore. <laughs> Too easy. <laughs> oh, I loved it, dude. It was so fun. And Irvine was such a fun lake, dude, at that time, you know? I'm 
this might be a bold statement, but I'm convinced Irvine was one of the best lakes in California from like 2009 to closing. Did you do a lot of swim bait fishing at Irvine? Not big, big stuff, but the medium sized no. stuff. Whitney's rat, you know, the OD, uh, yeah. now my but our other buddy, Mario, who actually ironically moved to South Carolina about 20 minutes from me. So weird. He runs, um, he has a rat now, right? He, he does the rat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, it's mostly mid-sized stuff, you know, smaller weedless baits, throwing six inch hoods, stuff like that. Rising suns, ospreys. Um, but it was just the quality of fish you could catch was just hard to beat. Yeah. Did you fish a lot of other local lakes like Paris and DVL or are you just hitting the low, like Irvine was your big local? Well, cause Whitney worked there at the time. Yeah. So it was like, you know, get in for free, have fun on the rental boat kind of yeah. deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why would, like you said, why would you drive all the way to DVL? It's like, well, why, why would I drive anywhere else so I can go crush bass at Irvine? You that know? was so so awesome. It was it was so nice to have a local lake. Yeah, I feel like, good, like it was good. Right. I think when did it close? 2016. Yeah, that sounds right. I want to say it was. It might have been 2016 into 2016. 17 or early it it was because i bought my boat 2016 and i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna go to irvine all the time and then close it i'm like shit so now i gotta go to silverwood you know and now i'm like that's a lot farther from me it'd be going to like like uh south shores not even that from buena park i could go to irvine's like right there right and it just sucks because it was such a good good lake another one i really liked was prado did you ever fish prado never fished prado um, there's a handful of lakes I missed out on too. I never got to fish Oso, which really bummed me out. I got just- to, I went with all my son, my son's 18. Mm-hmm. He went on a uh, boy scouts trip. So I bring all my shit. And when we get there, they're like, sorry, the lake's closed to fishing. I'm like, fuck me, man. Uh, Santa Margarita. Did you get to fish? Yeah, I fished RSM. I caught yeah. like the first decent fish on the OD rat. At Santa okay. Margarita, it's probably like I don't know seven eight pound fish. It's pretty nice. cool. Yeah, that was um, a, that was a cool lake. I got to fish it once. Now I have family that lives there, but I heard it just sucks. Yeah, I got hit with gold algae. I think a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, so everything died off. Um, I don't know how it is now, but I used to fish Laguna Niguel a lot too. A Laguna Niguel was, was a good one too. I went there. I would catch some good uh, fish from the shore. But then they used yeah. to have the float tubing thing was really cool there too as well. You can't do. I, I've heard like half lakes closed down now. So yeah, it's what's not the point it's, of even going. Yeah, it sucks now. But it was that was a fun lake back in the day. That was like fishing network days. Yeah, remember like that's. I remember looking up places and going, "Shit, I like this place. Like, let's check it out." And I remember catching like three fish within like two hours. I was stoked. Especially yeah. for a local lake, it's like that's a hard hard one to beat, dude. Then you know sometimes yeah, man, it gets rough <laughs> out there. <laughs> My local was a uh, Laguna Lake in Fullerton. Which I also really like, actually. That was probably my favorite park lake, to be honest. How great. And the stick-ups there. They had a little bit of everything. Yeah. And then uh, Ralph B., but that was pressure. You got to be really good to fish there. You have to know what you're doing. That was another yeah. good one. But if we can't, all be, really bad. we can't all be Seth Nicewonger, so. No, can't, can't all be Seth. <laughs> Seth uh, sex fish toy. <laughs> sex fish toy. <laughs> so, uh. You you kept fishing salt. You're, you're you're grinding out. You're working on the tugboat at the time as well, right? Um, so then you had to t- make a move again. 
Yeah. So um, in 2017, I moved shoreside and I got a job I really liked working at, in operations in the port. And uh, my wife was doing the same thing, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, not going to details or politics. A bunch of people got laid off with the offer to move out to North Carolina. So um, they were like, yeah, we'll pay for it. Keep your salary. Have fun, kids. And it was kind of like kind of dumb if we don't take that opportunity, you know, oh, um, yeah. made a big move, took a chance. Um, but we love it. It's sorry. My dog just came in the room. He's just acting weird. Um, <laughs> looking at ghosts in the corner or something. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then, and then moving out here was kind of, it was a huge change for me fishing wise. Um, which is kind of ironic because the lake that I basically live on now and all the lakes around here fish like so much of the rest of the country. California just has a very specific type of lake and fishery. And even it comes down to our little park ponds, you know? So what was the big thing? So you were throwing swim baits when you came to the freshwater. You're still doing the same thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the big thing is obviously the size of the fish. They don't have the X breed of the, 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 the Florida Northern strain that kicked off the big offspring. Um, but I, I will say one thing about here that just like really kicked me sideways is the amount of structure and cover. I mean, I'm on a, I'm not on the lake, but I'm five minutes from three different boat ramps. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a small 13,000 acre lake. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wiley's little, there's probably more docks on that lake than there are in the entire state of California. Really? Yeah. And then not to mention all the tree, all the laydowns and stuff and brush piles. And it's just, that is a bit tougher, you know, learning. Is that, the number, that is. is the number wise though? Like, so like you're getting way more numbers than you would hear. Um, or you feel it's the same for the most part? No, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, okay. There's just, there's just no size, you know? So you're big, what's your PB on the East coast so far? Um, I had a, I had a, seven on a jig that's good and a high six on a frog so that that's like a where you're fishing the big fish not giant i mean the frustrating thing is like you know so there's i'm on a river actually and it's just the lake is dammed up at or the river's dammed up at certain points to make the lakes mm-hmm. and this is like the one river chain in the carolinas that sucks because if you go a couple hours west of me, you wind up in the mountains where, if you're familiar with Matt Peters, Southern Trout Eaters, the yeah. place. <laughs> if you go a couple hours east of me, you wind up in the Raleigh area lakes, which that's about where Johnny Ellis lives. Um, I know you had him on, but it's it's yeah. completely different. Like, if you watched, I think MLF went there a few years ago, and there was a whole, like, there was a slew of fish over eight weight, and I think there might have been ten there's way better quality out there. Um, mm. I think it might be because we have spots and herring in our lakes, which just, that's a whole different ecosystem. So what is that? Why, how did, what does that play into just, you don't get the, the forage that you want the fish to get bigger with it. And it kind of, you know, it's like, a lot of spots are a lot of competition for large mouth. Okay. They're kind of like striper. Um, they're way, way more active. And then you throw you couple that with the herring and herring are, herring or sardines they're a pelagic bait fish so you know rather than your traditional fishery where you have bass on the shore sitting in a brush pile you have fish suspended in 80 feet of water sitting in 60 feet eating herring damn so 
So are yeah. you using a le- do you have a boat out there? You, do you have a boat? I don't. Out? I have a bunch of buddies with boats. I'll have a boat in the next year or two, but probably a bath <laughs> boat, to be honest. If I get a John boat and do weird stuff with it. <laughs> so I'm sure the bass boat guys, have, they play on their electronics a little more because you oh, yeah. those cool herrings. You just kind yeah. of throw down that way. Yeah. And I mean, and there still is a shore bite too. It's just, it's, everything's really spread out. I mean, you can be a cove and I've seen this literally all year long. I don't care if it's right now or it's over a hundred degrees or if it's winter and it's, you know, below freezing, there's, there's certain coves where you go and you'll see fishy top water all year long. Cause herring just sit out in no man's land. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So uh, when you were coming up, what were some of the companies you saw come up like when you were when you were swim bait fishing? Did you work for any swim bait companies, anything like that? No, I didn't work for any. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty good friends with Piz. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to fish with him every once in a while. I had a pretty cool striper video of me and him at Pyramid, but I don't, he's not a fan of it because it shows where we were fishing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Whitney, obviously. Uh-huh. I've seen that dude making baits for man. 15, 16 years now. Which is cool to see him come back and kind of do it. I think I really like, what is it, the Big Willie? Yeah. I've caught, I caught at Paris, I got like a five on it. It's a good, I love it. It's a great bait. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a weird little bait. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then through Whitney, I met Scott with Triple Trout. Um, I've gotten pretty close with him. So he finally left Long Beach, which was a big thing from a long time. He has to he's put Long Beach stickers on his baits. Yeah. Um, but uh were you around when the triple trout was kind of being made um dude that thing i think the first baits were made in like the 90s oh wow i mean one of the baits that i have that someone gave to me was from 2003 so um there's some crazy history with that bait and it winning tournaments and rumors of people not wanting to sell the bait at certain shops and (laughs) yeah i've had a little bit I had Mark Higashi on. He talked a little bit about. Yeah. He kind of like talked to him in the beginning when they started building that bait. But uh, I tried to get him on a couple times. Ryan messaged him, but I'm sure he's just doing his deal. And you know, he's dude. He's he's old school. He is yeah. so old school. Like it's almost surprising, Scott. I say this from a place of love, but it's almost surprising he knows how to work a phone sometimes. Just like <laughs> in talking to him. Yeah. What uh? What's your rig choice you use right now when you're throwing swim baits and glides and stuff like that? So because I've downsized so much, it used to be a Phoenix 800H. Um, I still think that's one of the best rods on the market for swim baits. Um, just you can do a whole bunch of stuff with it, and you can really handle a wide range. The 800H, the Ultra Swim Bait Classic? Correct. 
Really, a lot of people don't like that. They think it's a oh, stick. You do? Yeah. I love that thing. I've caught so many fish on that rod. Um, what baits do you like to throw on that rod? Eight inch HUD, 250, 10 inch triple trout, punker. I mean, anything yeah. in that, anything in that like four to eight ounce range. I think I even threw an Armageddon on it one time. Oh, it's, wow. Actually, I take that back. The heaviest bait I ever threw on it, Whitney had a bait that weighed 13 ounces and we were trying to swim test it. And that was the heaviest rod we had. Dude. It wasn't really comfortable, but I was able to kind of <laughs> underhand lob it. So. <laughs> Break the rod. Yeah. What reels were you using at the time? Um, I was sticking to 300s, mostly Corrado 300s. So yeah. um, made a pretty big switch now. And like, so I'm building my own rods. Um, Washington, D.C. numbers call me all day long. Super weird. <laughs> um, so I'm building my own rods. I'm fishing a range shadow, a couple of range shadow blanks I like a lot. They're just oh, lighter, nice. more parabolic. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of a meathead, so that parabolic rod helps a little bit for me pulling hooks and stuff, especially because I'm fishing a lot of hard baits, treble hooks, you know. Um, Downsize the 200 size reels because I don't need a 300 for most of what I'm doing. That so. makes sense. You're just doing a lot of quick short casts. Yeah, quick short cast, and it's like I said, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of structure and a lot of cover fishing, you know. So it's like you're along a dock. You're not gonna like make a hundred foot cast down a dock with a bait. You know, you're yeah. gonna get like close to it and make a nice pitch. So yeah, um, well, back doing to the tugboat stuff. You have any cool stories of uh, some crazy stuff you had to do before? Honestly, no. My my brief career in that was boring, and I mean that in the best way because boring means nothing happened. <laughs> um. I got to go to Alaska a few times, which is pretty cool. Did um, you go fish up there? No, but I had fished up there on a uh, on a trip with my grandpa when he was diagnosed with cancer in '98. He decided to take me on a Alaska raw trip. So a couple of years later, I was ten, oh, and wow. um, he took me up there. And we did two days of fishing, and it was just that place is stupid. It's it's Jurassic Park. I mean, you're like. Oh, hey, cool. I've had a 20 pound lingcod. And the captain's like, Oh, yeah, now we're going to catch a really big halibut. And you're like, What? And he, like, you know, <laughs> hits it with a slab, the slab fillet real quick, pops it off. <laughs> it's on like a 20 odd circle and drops it down. He's like, Yeah, watch this. I'll catch a big one now. Sure enough, we got like a 10 pound halibut. Damn. So, did you do any yeah. rock fishing up when you were up there? Like, uh, on like uh, the, I know they have big plastics and big lead heads they'll use up there. So not that trip, but then I went again a few years later for my other grandparents' wedding anniversary. It was a big family cruise thing, and I got to jump off and go fish, and I caught a salmon. And then um, oh, nice. we ran inside real quick, and the dude had a jig on, and I was just kind of messing rockfish there. But it wasn't, yeah. I didn't get to do the cool, like, bass rod rockfish type thing, you know? <laughs> um, so since you, you're down here, we could talk calico a little because you fished it for a while. You got mm-hmm. to fish. You you fish with some of the great calico fishermen like Scotty. Did you fish with Mike at all? Yep. Uh fish with Mike, Randy Clemeni with him. Mm-hmm. Um I fish with Seas back in the day too. Yeah, so you fish with Scotty. a lot of the guys that have been really, really good. So talk a little bit about if so people that don't know about calico, I'm always fucking running my mouth about it. You talk about like what you compare it to like something that if you're gonna fish in a freshwater lake, you know? Everyone always draws a comparison to smallmouth, but I don't think it's there. Um, and I say that because, like, smallmouth aren't – they're structure-oriented, but you're not going to have a two-pound smallmouth break you off on 40-pound, you know? Yeah. But you will have that happen in calico fishing. So, like, the comparison I always say is 
you know, when you're swim bait fishing for largemouth, you're not fishing a swim bait rod because of that fish. You're fishing a swim bait rod because of that bait. Mm-hmm. And then you go saltwater fishing, scalicos, you use the same rod, but it's because you're going to lose fish. Like, it's going to happen. Sorry, man. So I had, I think Cobb said it the best. He said he compares smallmouth to spotties. He would say that yeah. they, that's kind of the same almost. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's close, but just the structure, the breaking you off part, you know? Yeah. Now, were you trying to throw glides back then at all for uh, Calico? Um, Scott made me some custom saltwater triple trout that I threw around a little bit, uh-huh. and they got bit. But I don't know. I always wanted to throw them at the same time. It's like, well, I'm getting bit every forecast. You know, you had to come in. It's like every forecast, I'm getting bit on this, but I'm getting bit every cast on the jig, so I'm just going to put it down. Or we, do you have a weed list in there now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was like the go-to when, when uh, kind of explain that, how you weedless fish. I mean, that's another whole different technique where people think like, okay, you know, like with a uh, 316 bait, you're fishing it, like you're burning it on top, you know, almost oh, like yeah. A, yeah. So I so, mean, uh, it's a completely different technique if you want to talk about it, because I feel like coming from you would be a little different. Yeah, I mean, so I got to see what that was kind of like at the beginning. Um, my first trip to Clemente was when Matt and Scott were still fishing together and it was before the, uh, the COC Calico offshore challenge. If you've heard of it. Um, yeah. And I don't think the fish had seen much pressure at all. Cause you know, it is in the wintertime getting out there. It's like hit or miss it's either like the most perfect conditions ever, or you're not going. And <laughs> the weather had been super nice. We got out there and it was just, it was dumb. We went, we ran through every single bait in the boat just pre-fishing. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was that fast wine weedless bite, you know, and it was hammer the drag fish tenno hook. And, uh, I, yeah, that's, that's know. the crazy thing is people go uh, like, you know, the, even the way you set the hooks a little different, you can't like really set the hook. You got to no, like I reel was, into it, you know, I always like pointing it straight at it and when yeah. you get bit, just keep winding. And then once it loads up, you set the hook, but you're not really setting the hook with the tip of the rod. It's more of at that point, there's so much pressure on it. It loads up and hooks it kind of, kind of midsection. It more pulls it rather than snapping it in place. Yeah. I'm still waiting to get, I have a couple guys coming from like Texas and I'll, when the, when some of the guys come out, you know, Caesar's gone with us before just uh, yeah. uh, spotties and like sand bass. Mm-hmm. But they've caught like some threes and fours and they, they, you know, they're like, damn, this is fun. Even the Delta guys will come down and be like, shit, this is different. we like this. This is like, if yeah. I lived here, I'd be here all the time. I'm like, exactly. So it's like, and it's getting more pressured like anything else. Some people are trying oh, yeah. to throw new shit. And I just feel like even like a lot of people are throwing glides now for, for a swim, for a calicos and it works. But man, I feel like at Clemente and. And PV, it's always going to be that weedless is going to get the biggest fish most of the time, you know? That or just a classic jig head, too. I mean. Yeah. There's definitely because back more. then, we're using the Arky head? No. Or was I mean, Warbaits already know, around? Warbaits came out by then. I think Afrin came out with that thing. And I was working at Angler's Center around that time. I think it was 2009. Oh, wow. Um, it was super funny because they have these guys that, like, didn't really, like, they had their own boat. Maybe they fished a few times a year. They'd come and be like, yeah, there's this new thing out and I really want to try it. It's like a, it's like a hook for a swim bait, but it's weedless. It's like this new thing. And it's like, <laughs> but you get to see that a lot now, even with swim baits. Oh, yeah. So you'll see new swim baits come out and be like, Oh, this is something new. You're like, I kind of remember that from <laughs> no, that other guy did that like 
10 years ago, man. Sorry. <laughs> but it just becomes popular. But again, I always say you can only reinvent the wheel so many times. So it's kind of like you're going to find that same looking swim bait with someone else that might have that same tail or might have, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Compared to when you were coming up is like how many different swim bait makers were there when you were throwing swim baits? What, 15? You know? Uh, not Maybe. many. <laughs> yeah. And that was like rare. Like Mickey had like, you know, Mickey Rago, who else was at the Scott, time? Matt? Mickey yeah. Rago, Scott, Ken with stick. Yeah. Um, I mean, not many. Osprey was there. Osprey is definitely on the scene. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. One guy that's been around for a long time, though, too, is um, Tater Hog. I've ever seen his baits. Chris Albanson heard... throws bait a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. And his baits are beautiful, and apparently he just doesn't release money and charge a lot of money because he doesn't want to make them. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever throw um, Hinkles a lot too, or no? I had a Hinkle. I didn't throw it very much though. Just to me, no. the two fifty was a the two fifty was a better bait because it had this apex of size and draw power, but it actually got bit, and you wouldn't risk the chance of losing a fish because that Hinkle <laughs> is just so big and heavy. That fish comes up, gets head out of the water, it's gone. Did you have a learning curve on the 250 when you were kind of doing that? Or you, it felt like it just, you, you could watch Stuck it. wine, just... man. <laughs> yeah. It was like, to me, it's like throwing a surface iron. It's like either you, depending on what's going on, either you fish it kind of slow or you fish it kind of fast and have at it. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's always the learning curve is always something cool to like kind of hear from people because you didn't have the internet then like, you know, yeah. you do now. Or like YouTube videos and shit. There wasn't any of that. Even like I said, even when I started, it was like 2009. We had Fishing Network. That was it. There was no like YouTube, you know? Yeah, and it's it's a double-edged sword because like there's a lot of stuff that gets out that probably wish didn't get out, secret techniques or places or whatever. But it's also great because you can get on and figure out literally anything in the world that you want to do. Like, Even rod oh, wrapping, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, rod wrapping. I mean, well, I so rod wrapping for me. My my grandpa that was into fishing. He um he was fairly wealthy, and he had a full set of Angler Center custom rods from like back in the day. Oh, um, wow. So I was always kind of like looking at custom rods and knew they were a bit more special. So once I graduated from college and had some money and was hanging out at Performance Tackle pretty much every day, I just sit in the back with Tommy and bring those dudes lunch and watch Tommy rap and just hang out. Cause it was that or start drinking. Cause I was off for two weeks at a time. Um, <laughs> another guy that I cannot get to come on the podcast. Oh, you're not getting Tommy on a podcast. I talk to Tommy all the time and I'll go in there and talk to him forever. And he just, nah, don't come on. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> he's one of the best rod rappers. Oh, he's so fucking good. And it's he's just so cool. good. And he's yeah. so cool. Cause I text him all the time. So, and he's just like, no, do this. I don't, don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> So just watching Tommy, I actually kind of been pretty straightforward to learn how to do it. And then when I moved out here, I didn't have a job for a while. And part of that was like, okay, my wife's got a great job. She can afford to cover both of us for a while. Like I actually ended up getting a job at a tackle shop here, like under the table cash job. But, um, mm-hmm. I was like, don't try wrapping rods. I'm like, well, I don't know how to, he's like, not that hard. I'll show you. And ended up kind of sitting down and like wrapping a rod nicer than he could within like a day. So. Probably from just um, watching Tommy the whole time, right? Just watching just Tommy, absorbing, head. getting the Miyagi yeah. going. So, <laughs> um, I know I'll never even come close to Tommy's level, but uh, yeah. Well, he, so, I feel I like he's him. trained a lot of dudes too, like that have came through and kind of like oh, learned yeah. a little bit from him, you know? Oh yeah. Because I mean, no yeah, question. I mean, 
I go to performance probably like once or twice a week and I talk to Joe. You know Joe Gata? Oh, I know Joe really well. Yeah, so Joe's a really good friend, so I, I talk to him a lot. So we uh I'll go in there and talk to shoot the shit with Tommy or whoever's a fucking or Mark. Whoever's yeah. in there, you know, you always run into someone. But yeah, it's always. always yeah, yeah. You know? Or I'll get I'll, yeah. I'll see someone and be like, hey fucking dickhead and be like, hey, what's up? You know? But it's yeah. all that was one of that's my favorite shop to to go to. But you, I mean, it's cool. You worked at Angler Center too. I used to go by there when I was in Newport all the time. Yeah, so that was that was a really cool experience for me because it kind of upped my game a little bit, learning more about like I'm just gonna call I'm gonna come out with it and call it the fancier side of fishing. That there is there as far as like because I I grew up on sport boats. It's like here here's your your graphite Calstar, your Newell, and your your mono. Um, dogs joining me. It's weird. <laughs> um, and then I got there, and it's like, hey, feel this graphiter instead. Here's some braid. Like, this will fish a lot better, you know? And Yeah. And and I learned a lot about, like, so Angler Center did and continues to do a lot of yacht outfitting. Um, and, and just learning, like, the, the actual big game side, rigging, all that fun stuff. So um, I worked there for four summers. It was the summer after my high, my senior of high school through the summer after my junior of college. And it was just such an awesome summer job. I, I really learned a lot. Um, and, uh, became very close with my coworkers there since Jeff. Yeah. Um, he runs Melton now. So, cause you know, Melton owns Angler Center. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I was there when I was there that summer, that was 2011 and we had inventory everything. And that meant, inventorying the giant barrel of three inch big hammers. Oh my God. Yeah. You can imagine <laughs> what a hate mission that was. It was. Oh, I bet. <laughs> no air conditioning, organizing big hammers all day long. It was, Burn it was up. A, yeah, just misery. <laughs> so, but I did love that job. Um, like I said, one of my best friends came out of it. So, um, yeah. Did you, uh, were you into the flying fish thing when you were down here? No, that was after I left. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I only got Which, to do one trip with Dwayne where we went and did it, and then one trip after that um, with somebody else, Jeff and a few other friends. But um, mm-hmm. then that was before, like, people were heavily fishing, the like, the real flyer. Like, that was just go drag the yummy around. You know, that was before California yeah. flyer and all that stuff, too. So Yeah. No, but you did right. get to see the big bluefin when they came in, though. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah that was pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, I know. I mean, I had the the. I think Evan told a pretty good so- story, Salve. Mm-hmm. He kind of re- t- broke it down, but it's really cool to see it. And now people are going, "Man, when's it going to go away? Who knows?" Because it's cycle thing. It's like it's going to be fucked when it goes away. Things are going to change, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Is it's like, you know, things for the fishing industry in SoCal were not good prior to twenty fourteen. Like. <laughs> people were really struggling. So like it's frustrating is sometimes when you go to your favorite park and you see a bunch of dudes fishing, it's kind of a blessing because like your neighborhood tackle shop might've shut down, had that not happened and all these people gotten into fishing. No, I always, I always try to like buy what I can from the tackle shop yeah. just to support. I know it's so easy to go to tackle warehouse and it's just, you feel like 50 yeah. bucks. It's like, how often do you not spend $50 when you go to tackle shop? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, shit, it's free. It's free uh, shipping. Well, then I think, well, it, but the conversations you get from guys at the tackle shop, like Jack Soul, you know, you hear me, Jack? Oh, yeah. And oh, just yeah. hearing him talk with some of the stories, it's like, man, this dude's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, cool yeah, to go in yeah. there and get those experiences from 
the tackle shop, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, like you're talking about Mark, I think Mark is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. That dude remembered <laughs> me through Whitney. Like when I was in college, I think I'd been there all three times. And like, <laughs> I came in one time and Mark's like, Oh, Hey Andrew, how's school going? And just like <laughs> asking those like ultra specific questions. I'm like, he remember all this stuff. He's got a great memory. Super so good we memory. Got, we got something cool when I'll be talking about it. Hopefully in the in next couple of weeks going on with performance, hopefully an event, something different, but, um, let's, uh, talk. So you, let's talk about your PB. What did you catch it on? Like what rod and reel were you using in like line? Do you remember any of that? Oh yeah. It was a Phoenix 800 H still sitting oh. in the room behind me. Um, <laughs> with a Corrado 300, my wife bought me years and years and years and years ago. And it had 20 pound CR and Vizx. um, and it was the Japan Trout 250, the one that everyone thought was stupid, but it actually goes pretty well. <laughs> and I know you've asked this of other guys if how good the fight was, and it was garbage. <laughs> really? It was, dude. It was a wet sock. There's a letdown then. Fish, the fish, the fish t-boned it, and I think it pinned her mouth shut, and she just planed to the side and couldn't get up. And I was standing on a dock and I walked down to the launch ramp and she kind of swung around under the dock and I just saw her head pop out. And I just like grabbed it. Like I didn't like think anything of it. I pulled it out. I was just like, <laughs> like it just kept big. coming out. Yeah. That's no, nah, it's a big fish. I mean, you, it's yeah, sometimes... I mean, it's, I'll send you the picture. It was like, yeah. when you look at, I'm not a little guy. And like in relation to me, it was pretty sizable. So makes me question a lot of the arm scale 10 pounders just knowing how giant that fish was you know <laughs> right you see a lot of those that's hey don't wait unless don't say it unless you wait that's the whole exactly. thing exactly or ben seacrest came on and said that and yeah. I'm like, man that is the best thing you could say and and even like i caught a like pb calico which i think i'm gonna just call it eight but it bounced between seven and a half eight and a half i'm gonna call it eight i was gonna call it fucking seven and a half which i already had but i'm like ah oh, eight i guess eight's in the middle i'll just call it that fuck it you know What's your yeah. biggest calico you ever caught? Um, well, per Seacrest didn't weigh it, can't say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think it was? I think I caught a few between eight and nine really? in my sport boat days. Um, there's one that stands out specifically at eight and anchovy. When I was 13 or 14 years old, I was in the freelance on a twilight. We were fishing off number two. Mm-hmm. And um, I won jackpot with it that night, but it was it was really big. And yes, I was able to throw in the bait tank. Didn't have to kill a jackpot fish. Did but, you um, eat it? Did you eat it? Is the question. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fish eater, though. That's the thing. I don't care if okay. you keep calicos. Don't keep big calicos. I don't care if you keep little ones. They're they're delicious. Uh, they're like oh, yeah. I like them better than any other fish. Calico tastes so good. Oh yeah, their meat yeah. always looks incredible. Yeah, um, I'm just for whatever reason, man. I'm just not a huge fish eater. Um, so that was my biggest. Calico. My biggest sand bass was just under ten, and I know that because we did weigh it. It was nine pounds, ten ounces. Wow! Um, and that was even longer ago. That was probably two thousand and two. Was that during the uh, when the, they had the them spawning on the flats? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that was, was like cool. that was my youth because, like you know, I, like I said, I lived. I pretty much lived in the freelance in the Western Pride. Mm-hmm. It was like back then you'd go out and like with fucking 80 people on those boats and catch boat limits like there's fucking 800 sand bass on this boat and then like maybe you caught three or four cooter around a rod too you know yeah damn it must have so. been so fun i wasn't really fishing then and i'd everyone talks about it i'm like man i couldn't imagine going out and just catching that many sand bass you know what i'm saying how fun i mean and- it was like 
if you really wanted to dick around, you could have put like a Ganyan with like 20 hooks and caught 20 at a time. Not that I recommend doing that, but like. <laughs> no, of course. It, it was, was still like super cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, it's cool uh, having you on and, and talk. Maybe what we'll do is uh, I'm trying to get some round tables together and, and get people in with me. So they, you know, if we did another one, they could see you and I could have the, the cameras so you, you know, we can all see each other. Cause I got a TV with you on the TV right here Okay. and I could have me and another guy. Maybe when we come down, have a round table, maybe if Bob yeah, comes on, have you as like a, as a guest, <laughs> you know, when we talk and you guys can say some funny fucking stories, but it's kind of cool to get, hear your perspective from, you know, salt to uh, fresh and then even the East coast, like how it is, the fishing is over there. So uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I mean, when you want to plug or any baits or. Anything like uh, that? Triple Trout, Piz. Not that I need to plug those. Everyone knows and everyone loves them. I see you wearing Daniki shirt. Daniel's a really close buddy of mine. Oh, that um, we can't talk about him. I know. He's I know. A- he's, he's another one. <laughs> him and Tommy hanging out together, drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, I'm my, actually, wife, my wife uh, works there part-time with Daniel. He's always looking for help, man. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he's that- like, he, he wanted some help so bad. And I'm like, she'll learn. And she, he, I'm like, I guarantee she'll do better than Seth. He fucks everything. Up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all oh, right. Toy. Yeah, he uh, he came over. We had my birthday party. He brought his kids over, and uh, they were swimming. But yeah, Daniel's a great guy. He'll never he, come on. Another guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm building him a couple of rods right now too. Oh, um, nice seekers. Yeah, I'll range out. Uh, seekers, seekers. Um, They're uh, super seeker Hercules 70H and 70XH. They're all black on black except for like a little nameplate on there, which is like this absurd day glow color I found. <laughs> Most nice. glow as you can get without actually being glow. Um, but yeah, nice. love love Daniel. Super awesome dude. Love Demiki stuff. Um, yeah. My favorite way to catch a bass is on the frog. I don't care what else is biting. Like I'm gonna <laughs> catch a bass on a frog and like he yeah. makes that air frog and that thing. I love that bait. So that's a great, um, great, great frog. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we already talked all the people I like, <laughs> you know, Mark, Mark and Tommy and Joe performance and my buddy Jeff at Melton. And yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, thanks for coming on, bro. I really appreciate it. Great time. Yep. You got it, man. Thank you.